I remember when I first uh, felt God calling me into full-time vocational service. I was excited to serve God, although I have uh, never at that time been on a short-term mission, I had some distorted view of missions. I picture a missionary going into the jungle and having to serve those cannibals. There was no way that I was going to go to the mission field. I told God that I was going to go anywhere in the United States and serve them. Well, uh, after I got accepted uh, into Dallas Seminary, I had a chance to go to a winter conference. There, the speaker spoke about being available to serve the Lord. And that evening, I felt the Lord was speaking to me. I realized that I was restricting God. Instead of God telling me where I ought to go, I was telling God where I ought to go. As God spoke to me, I submitted myself to the Lord. In the next four weeks, the four XCC pastor, including Pastor Jason, myself, Pastor Joseph, and Pastor Thomas, we're going to be preaching through the book of Jonah, where Jonah also had his own idea as to where he should serve the Lord. Now, this preaching series is to prepare us for the, Christ, for the Chinese Missions Convention, which will take place at the end of December. You see, God has called all of us to be ambassadors for Him, whether it might be across the street in our neighborhood or across the sea in another country. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. I'll be reading from the NIV. Verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Abitai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. We see here that God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. Well, before I dive into this passage, let me give you a little background. Jonah was mentioned one other time in the Bible besides here in the book of Jonah. It is recorded in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. Here, Jonah became so-called a national hero when he accomplishes the first mission that God has given to him. Jonah encouraged King Jeroboam to extend his territory, and the king successfully carried out the message of God given by Jonah. And when God called Jonah... For the first mission, he responded positively, and it was great success. 
And with this as a background, the Lord here calls Jonah for his second mission. Could you imagine how Jonah might have reacted? He might have been so very excited and eager to be used by the Lord for another mission. It is a tremendous privilege to serve the Lord and to represent Him. When God said, go, I, I, I could imagine to, Jonah was saying, well, where do you want me to go? When God went on to say, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. Well, let me give you a little background concerning about Nineveh. See, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. See, before the Babylonians became a world force, it was the army of Assyria that was a mighty force at that time. They had a reputation as being a brutal, mean, bloodthirsty army that intimidated their enemies. They were a heartless group of people. Once they conquered the land, they wanted to make sure that people would be afraid of them and would not rebel against their new conqueror. They use vivid object lessons to say, don't mess with me or else. This brutal army intimidated their subordinates by decapitating a number of captives and, and then stacking them, stacking those heads in front of the entry gate, as well as stacking them on top of the walls of the city. In addition, they would take poles and stick them through the midsection of these captives and then put them up on display in the town square. They also took some more individuals and skinned them alive and pinned them to the walls of the city to show their authority and the superiority. Because God is a judge God. And he judges wickedness in his own time. We see that God commanded Jonah to go to the Assyrians, to go to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrians, to preach a message of condemnation to them because they have demonstrated wickedness before a holy God. They were relentless and persistent in their sins. So we see Jonah was supposed to announce to these brutal people, telling them, you guys are bad boys, and God's going to judge you. Well, can you imagine how you would have responded if God gave you that command? I don't know about you. Well, I would have said, um, I think you got the wrong person for this job, God. 
I'll serve you anywhere in the United States. I'm not going out there to those bloodthirsty people. As a matter of fact, they do not deserve your mercy. You should just destroy them because they're wicked people. You don't really need me to go out there to tell them that they're wicked and that they need to be judged. Well, that's what I would say. Well, notice how Jonah responded to this mission that God has given to him. He didn't say, well, let me pray about it. Matter of fact, immediately he ran away. As we take a look in verse 3, it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarsus. He went down to Joppa. We found the ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarsus to flee from the Lord. See, Jonah didn't want any part of this mission. He didn't want to be anywhere close to Nineveh. Jonah refused to go to Nineveh. Well, I really don't blame him. I know that uh, Jonah gets a uh, bad rap because he was not willing to obey God, but instead ran away from God to Tarsus, which is the furthest point that was known back in those days. It's located in Spain. In other words, Jonah wanted to get as far away as possible. I was like Jonah, as I mentioned in the beginning of the sermon. I was not wanting to go to the mission field. And God had to break me. And before I yielded to him and be obedient to the Lord. I believe that God might be calling some of you to step out of your comfort zone. To do something that you might have never done before. Or he might have called you to do something that you feel uncomfortable in doing. You might be fearing what might happen and you might want to run away. However, if God has called you, he will always provide the necessary resources to accomplish the task. What we need to do is to trust him. As a matter of fact, the more difficult the task, the more we realize that we cannot do it by ourselves, by our own effort. God loves it when we come to a point where we need to depend on God alone. That is when he goes to work and do great things through us. God just wanted our availability. I remember last month, I led the father-daughter retreat. I needed a female to counselor to help me. I looked high and low, but I could not find one. The Lord spoke to me and asking me to ask my wife, Ellie. When I first approached her about this responsibility, she uh, felt very uncomfortable. 
She was fearful of how the youth was going to respond to her. She didn't think that she could relate very well to these young people. She hesitantly agreed to go. And because she made herself available, God used her mightily at that retreat. It is a step of faith. It is during a time when we feel least qualified to do something, that is when God steps in and He shows us wonderful things. May we not rob ourselves of what God can do through us. May we not run away from God. Jonah deceived himself in thinking that if he ran away, that God would leave him alone. In reality, that was going to be backfired. If God has a plan for us, no one can throw off his plan. We see in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, it says that many are the plans of a man's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. His plan will come to being whether we choose to follow him or not. It would just make sense if we are willing to obey him because his purpose will always prevail. Well, how did God respond to the Jonah's rebellion? Surely, God did not stand still. He took action by creating a great wind on the sea, and violent storm was aroused. Remember, this whole story in the book of Jonah is really not about Jonah, nor is it about the big fish, but it really is about God. Here we see God's sovereignty at work, that he is in charge. It was not any ordinary storm. We see that these veteran sailors, they were afraid because they they saw that the ship was threatening to break up. God was not just going to let Jonah, run away. God was in control of all these circumstances. He altered the direction of Jonah's plan. God's not only a a sovereign God, but he's also a compassionate God who also cared for the people that committed brutal atrocities. He is willing to give them a second chance In spite of their wickedness, God still loved them. Are there people that have done wrong to you and you feel that they do not deserve to be saved? Well, that is how Jonah felt. Oh, he was fearful of the Assyrians, but also he did not want 
them to be saved. Jonah was a proud Jew. They did not want wicked Gentiles to be saved. And we, we see this in the latter part of this book in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. He said, he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarsus. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sinning calamities. Jonah knew that if he preached to them, that they will get saved. And definitely he didn't want that to, to take place. Now let's move on to the third part of this message as we look at the contrasting response between Jonah and the sailor to Yahweh's plan. Let's take a look at Jonah's response first. We see that Jonah resisted submitting to Yahweh's plan. Let's look at verse 5. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone before, below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Here in the middle of a horrendous storm, Jonah fell into a deep sleep. He really didn't care what was going on. While he was sleeping, the sailors were panicking as they tossed out cargoes to lighten the ship. But it did not change anything. They got desperate as they cried out to their gods for help. But there was no results. Then they figure out that this tragic storm was a cause of wrongdoing from someone on board the ship. They casted lots to see who was the culprit. As we look at verse 7, the lot fell on Jonah. You see, casting lot was a common practice in Israel, not only in Israel, but other ancient Near Eastern countries to find out the will of God. We see here again God's sovereignty as He directed the lot to fall upon Jonah. See, you see, Jonah thought that he was in control, but in reality, God was in total control. After the lot fell on Jonah, the sailors interrogated him with questions, as we see in verse 8. It says, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They understood that the gods were not pleased with Jonah and that he must have done something wrong. We see here, Jonah, instead of trying to cover up, Jonah did not hesitate to tell them 
the truth. And we see in verse 9 that Jonah admitted that he was a Hebrew, and that he worshipped the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Interesting, if we take a little closer look here, Jonah addressed God as Lord, with a capital L-O-R-D. As you recall, as we were studying in Exodus, that is the name Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God of Israel. We see here also that Jonah described God as the creator who made the sea and the land. See, as creator, he has authority over all nature. Ironically, Jonah knew who God is, but was not willing to obey him. This is only intellectual knowledge. And we see in Scripture, what does that mean? In 1 John 2, 3 and 4, let me just read this to you. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. This knowledge that Jonah had did not really travel from the head to his heart to make the right decision. So we look at verse 10. We see that the sailor did not expect Jonah to describe God in such detail. They were terrified and asked, what have you done? Although Jonah earlier admitted that he is running away from the Lord, they asked him again. Jonah is very truthful. He stated that he is responsible for the storm, and he acknowledges that that his God has the power to cause the sea and the storm to come. We see Jonah has good theology of God, but he did not want to follow God. This is really empty belief. Here might be some of us are like Jonah also. We might know a lot about God, But when he tells us to do something, we're hesitant to follow because it might be something uncomfortable for us to do. We do not think that we can do it. We see that God is in control of this whole story. Jonah cannot run away from God. God put more pressure upon Jonah by stirring up the sea. And it was getting rougher and rougher, as is recorded in verse 11. The sailor asked Jonah what to do to calm down the sea. On the one hand, the sailors were panicking and fearful of their life. On the other hand, we see that Jonah was calm and 
collective, admitting that he is responsible for the storm, that he knew exactly what needed to be done to calm the sea. Without any hesitation, Jonah confidently told the sailors to throw him into the sea. He was so sure that the sea would become calm once God's wrath was appeased. There was no way that Jonah was going to Nineveh, even if it cost his life. He's not going. Jonah admitted that it is his fault that caused this great storm. He resisted submitting to Yahweh's plan. Now, in contrast, we see the sailor submitting to Yahweh's plan. Note their faith in the Lord changed as time moved along. Initially, they did not know anything about Yahweh. As Jonah described Yahweh's authority and power, they believed that it was Yahweh who caused the storm to rage. The sailors did not comply with Jonah's recommendation because it was immoral and a sin against God to throw him overboard. Therefore, they tried to figure out a way to resolve this problem by taking things into their own hands as they tried to row their way back to land. Their meager effort brought no relief against God's sovereign plan. Instead, the storm intensified. You know, when we face a problem, it is natural for us want to solve the problem by ourselves, by using our abilities. God really wants us to see that we are incapable of resolving the problem and that our need to submit to Yahweh's plan. All the effort from the sailors did not accomplish what they desired. The sea grew even wilder than before. The sailors' faith in God grew as they recognized that it was the Lord that was controlling the sea. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord Yahweh. They recognized the God of Jonah, Yahweh. And they asked Yahweh, for mercy. Let's take a look in verse 14. Then they cried to the Lord, O Yahweh, O Lord, O Yahweh, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. They knew that it would be a sin to throw Jonah overboard, would you kill him? Therefore, they pleaded with Yahweh. Pleaded that, that they would not be held accountable for killing this innocent man. 
This demonstrates the great compassion that the sailor had toward Jonah. It was ironic, on the other hand, that Jonah did not have any compassion toward the Assyrians in Nineveh. The sailors also acknowledged God's sovereignty in the great storm and the casting of lots. As they said, for you, O Lord, have done as you please. They recognized that God's been at work throughout this whole affair. You see, the whole story is really about the Lord, about Yahweh. Since the sailors had tried everything out of their own effort and failed, they submitted to Jonah's recommendation by throwing him into the raging sea. All of a sudden, just as Jonah predicted, the violent sea grew calm. As we see this in, as recorded in verse 15. Now, note the, the progression of the faith of the sailor through this whole process. Now, the men greatly feared the Lord. Let's take a look in verse 16. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. We see that the sailors were at all and what they witnessed with their own eyes, their false god did not rescue them. But Yahweh was able to rescue them as they submitted to Yahweh's plan. The calmness of the sea also showed that Jonah's disobedience was the cause of the raging storm. In response to Yahweh saving them, the sailors offer a sacrifice to the Lord. It was an expression of gratitude to the Lord as they gave praise to Him. In addition, they also made vows to Him. They were promising to God that they would continue to praise Him. Here we see an ironic contrast between Jonah and the sailor. Jonah, a prophet of God, was disobedient to God. He resisted submitting to Yahweh's plan. Jonah knew God, but he did not trust God enough to obey him. However, on the other hand, we see the sailors who did not know God initially, but then they grew to know him personally as they saw God's hand at work. They ended up fearing the Lord and praising him as they submitted to Yahweh's plan. Now, although Jonah chose death over obeying God, it was not the end of the story. We see in verse 17, it begins with the word but. He says, oh, whoa, wait a minute. There's something else that's going on. He just didn't die in the, in the sea. God was not done with Jonah. The Lord here 
expresses his sovereignty by providing a great fish to swaddle Jonah. God rescued Jonah. It shows God's compassion for Jonah. In spite of his rebellion, God was gracious toward him by saving him because God had a plan for his prophet. The Lord has not given up on Jonah. God has to break Jonah's stubborn will before he could be used for him. And we see that Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. And this story will continue next week. In conclusion, we see that the focus of this book of Jonah is not about the big fish or about Jonah. It is about the sovereign and compassionate God who called Jonah on a mission to leave his comfort zone to minister to an evil group of people with God's message. Although Jonah rebelled and flees from God's presence, God used Jonah's resistance to bring glory to himself. God's ultimate goal is to save the Ninevites, the Assyrians there in Nineveh, those brutal, bloodthirsty Gentiles. We see in 2 Peter 3, 9, the latter part of the verse, it says, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants us to reach out to those around us, to share with them the good news of God's salvation. Even with those we think that they do not deserve. God loves them also. God has a heart for all people. I encourage you, if you have not already signed up for the Chinese Missions Convention, that you do so today in the lobby. And how you might be able to learn more about reaching the lost, how we can be part of God's plan to reach the nations for Him. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for saving us and giving us the privilege to be your ambassadors to share the good news to the lost. For sure that you uh, could have called the angels to do this, but uh, you called us. And Father, we pray that uh, you would give us a compassion for the lost. Help us to be obedient to you, Lord. We know that you called us to serve you. Sometimes you call us to do something that we might feel uncomfortable in doing. Or we've never done before. Lord, uh, may we be willing to submit ourselves to you. But you're always there. 
and you provide the necessary resources for us to accomplish that task. May we not run away like Jonah, Lord. May we submit ourselves to Yahweh's plan because you know what is best for us, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.